Welcome to Mind, Body, Spirit, a transformation podcast with Laura Lund, where I interview masters, seekers, and teachers in the quest for thriving, not just surviving. My guest today is Tanya Boygensan. Tanya is the founder of Divinati School of Yoga and Wellness and is an Ayurvedic yoga therapist, Thai yoga bodywork practitioner, and Reiki master with an emphasis on Tantra, Sri Vidya, Buddhism, and somatic healing. Her transformative work helps guide others to experience the sacred and remind them of their true nature to explore their paths with faith and skill. She is an she is honored to be one of the first Para Yoga Level 3 teachers and certified Four Desires trainers in the world and is a constant seeker on the path. Tanya travels often as a guest teacher and leads retreats internationally. You can find more about Tanya at divanadiyoga.com. Good morning, Tanya. Welcome. Hey, Laura. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So tell us a little about how you got on this yoga path on the journey here. Gosh, um, I started as a meditator. I was in my teens. I had some insomnia, some anxiety, probably some serious depression and, uh, um, my youth director at church actually pulled me aside one day. She's like, you know, you're struggling a lot. I can tell you're really caught up in your thoughts. And so she taught me how to watch my thoughts, like a witnessing meditation. And it changed my life. All of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I am not my thoughts. And it helped me reorient my whole life. And um, so I started meditating literally when I was about 15. And uh, it wasn't until college that then I had a kind of a mystery illness that um, when when nobody could figure out what was wrong with me, a friend recommended yoga, and I just knew that was going to help me. And I bought the Shivananda Companion to Yoga, and I read it cover to cover, and I started doing everything in there. It just really spoke to me, and uh, there was just kind of knowing. And so just really quickly, I started to feel better and that was it. I was like, this works, <laughs> you know, so I've always had my own practice. And, you know, as I continued that path, I started to pursue, you know, teachers and uh, traditions and other things that spoke that language. And it was ironic because I was a pre-med major and then I, I switched completely. I went to English lit and creative writing thinking that I'd come out and be a professor, but then I ended up becoming this like full-time yoga wellness person. So, you know, it all kind of comes around. Wow. So I've known you for probably 20 years and I mm-hmm. didn't know any of that. Yeah, that's how it happened. I mean, how I did lucky to learn that at such a young age to learn meditation. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, it was probably really weird back then. But I mean, my son is now 14. He's almost at that age I was. And the kids today, at least where I live, they're really exposed to a lot more things. Um, I even teach yoga to his baseball and basketball teams in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I taught yoga to, um, I was terrified, but when my daughter was 16, I taught it 
her high school and it was Hopkins high school. It was huge. Mm. And I was terrified. And these girls, they were all giggly and chatty when we started. And at the end, they were silent. I couldn't believe it. It was just beautiful to watch them transform so quickly in just a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So, well, what are your, what kind of things do you do? Like, what are your daily routines? Like, what time do you get up? What do you eat? What time do you go to bed? Like, what do you do to stay balanced? Hmm. Well, I try to get up early and... You know, that is easier in the summer. I get up a lot with the light. I have a skylight in my room, and that kind of wakes me up at that dawn. Um, I get up. I say some gratitude stuff. I scrape my tongue, and then I come back, and I do my meditation right away. So I do a mantra meditation in the morning. And then um, depending on what kind of practice I'm going to do, I'll either do it then or maybe a little bit later. But I'm a big believer in the medical medium guy, too. So I do like the celery juice and I do. I don't know if you know about mm, that stuff. I but do. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helped me a lot in, um, in the last four or five years. So I get up. I just made some this morning. And then. So what is his smoothie that he does or his juice or whatever he. Oh, you do like you juice celery and it just helps with like your gut acids and flushes things out. And um, it just really changed a lot of things for me. It was a total game changer. So I do that still. Celery is cooling, right? Um, I think so. But according to the sky, there's a lot of minerals and things in the celery when you juice it that helps repair the gut acids. And that's a big problem why people tend to have issues with their digestion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how many stalks of celery do you juice? And what kind (laughs) of juicer do you have? Oh, my gosh. Um, I usually use a whole head. You know, almost a whole head, depending on how big it is. Every day you juice a whole head of celery? Uh Uh-huh. Wow. And what kind of juicer do you have to use to do that with? Um, I actually have the old juicer I have had since I lived in Portland, Oregon, over 20 years ago. So this is like, it's going on 23 years. It's this, it still works though. It gets the job done. That big, that, is it one of those big things with the, um, it's actually not that big. It's this little white plastic thing. I got it at Fred Meyer. It's, I mean, it's making it maybe a foot tall. Um, so it's actually really small, which I love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can just throw it under my shelf when I'm done with it. You know, it's a, it's getting worn down, though. So I'll have to get another one one of these days. I keep wondering when it's going to break on me. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, so what else do you eat besides celery juice? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I... I've done everything really. I, you know, um, all these things over the years, I'm actually, I really like to be the scientist in the lab rat. I use myself as an example a lot of times to find out what works. And so I can have a relationship to it. So it depends. Um, I've definitely spent time doing the whole vegan grain-free thing. That was really good until I needed to eat some food. Um, I've been vegetarian. I've not been vegetarian. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to eat really clean and, and light. I had a, a surgery on my foot a few months ago. So, you know, not being able to move around and stuff, it's it's been helpful to not have a lot of, you know, just heavy foods to have to process when you can't burn it, right? So mm-hmm. that's been really important. The first week or two when I got out of the surgery, I was like, ooh, I'm going to need to 
you know, change things up here a little bit. So, so like a lot of vegetables or what? Yeah, or, just tons of like... veggies. I mean, I like to eat that way anyway. I really enjoy it. But I'll eat tons of veggies. I do eat fruit a lot too. And I don't eat a ton of grains. Um, I'm eating a little bit of fish right now. And, you know, that kind of stuff. And then what are your yoga practices? What time do you go to bed? Um, I like to go to bed. I mean, in the grand scheme of thing, I would love to go to bed, be in bed by 930 and sleeping by 10. And sometimes that works really well. Um, that was not easy to come by, though. I mean, I have a lot of fire in my system, so I'm one of those people that likes to stay up a little bit later. But I learned, oh gosh, some years ago that I like myself a lot better if I go to bed earlier. You know, there's this, like this whole window of time, you know, between 10 and 2, according to Ayurveda, where your body is really processing a lot of things that you need to digest. So if you disrupt that, then, you know, it can just build up some challenges down the road. Um, so if I go to bed at 10 and get up around 6, that works pretty well for me. Yeah, I find if I stay up past 10, then I'm not tired anymore. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's midnight. Yep. Yeah. And then what do you do for your yoga practice? Um, it, too, will vary. Again, with the foot, it was yoga in bed. Um, but I'm back at it, and it feels super good. So because of where I've been, I haven't been moving that much. I'm pushing it a little bit, meaning like I'm trying to break through some of that challenge that kind of built up, but it feels great. I have the muscle memory came back. Um, I do kind of a hybrid of different styles. I teach mainly para yoga, which kind of combines tantra yoga and principles in Ayurveda. And uh, for me, I like to add a little bit more vigor. Um, I do some good heart and chest opening. I need to kind of break up that energy and that part of my body that tends to build and, um, you know, just keep the hips open. It's, it's just varied. And like I said, I, meditation is the core of my yoga practice. Um, so I try to do yoga postures and, and sequence it so that I can actually sit still. That's actually really to support your meditation. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I too studied Shivananda yoga. That's where I actually mm. did my original yoga teacher training. That's right. Yeah. So I see. Cool. So what, how much time would you say, like you're very prolific in your teaching and your classes and your offerings. And I think you're definitely one of the leaders in our city of, in the yoga community. <laughs> So what do you, how much time do you spend creating during the week and your creative process? Mm. A good amount. I think that's largely what I love to do is pull the teachings together and try to find new and interesting ways to share them with other people. I really love that part of the process. And I, en- I enjoy that a lot. A lot of the things I teach are also repetitive. I'll teach this training and then I'll teach it again down the road. So that becomes joyful and because it becomes more simple and in a lot of ways you can work through making it finer and richer, but I do have certain things that I teach that are, you know, they, 
they change every time I teach them. Like I have a Wednesday series that, you know, every month I have a different theme. So right now I'm working on my April theme. I'm not starting it next week because I'm out of town, but the the theme will, will vary. And then people come based on what they want to learn. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I, I got to get into my creative zone, you know, when I have to produce something new, I have, you know, I practice and then I you know, make some tea and then I kind of, you know, get that intuition going. And then I really try to feel it. I, I, I work very intuitively. I don't try to force something. I only do it when it's there and that energy's there. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's same, same, same. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, sometimes, you know, I won't have something ready to go and I'll have to promote it for the next week. But then when I get it, it's like, oh, go. And then the energy's there. So I've, I've learned that process and luckily, and it doesn't stress me out anymore. It used to. Do you find that that shifts with the moon cycle? Um, do you find that you're more creative during the new moon or the full moon or have you tracked that at all? I haven't. Or during your menstrual cycle? No. Yeah, I haven't tracked it. Mm -hmm. It's possible, but, um, yeah, I haven't looked at it. Yeah. So let's talk about Reiki. So I, I did my Reiki training with you, my Reiki, um, master training with you and uh let's let's talk about that people often want to know like just just as if we don't know anything Mm -hmm. give us the reiki scoop well uh reiki is a form of hands-on energy healing um its roots come from japan um and I see it as a system of just, you know, sharing prana. I mean, that's really what it is. I'm also trained in other types of energy medicine. So this is just one of the, kind of like yoga, there's different styles of yoga. There's different styles of energy medicine and then kind of what is accentuated. Um, Reiki's unique in that we work with a particular kind of ray of energy to help you know, really bring health and well-being to the body. And... Uh, you eventually learn these kind of Reiki keys, which are you know, those kind of sending the energy in a particular way for the client or whoever you're working with. And, you know, it's very intuitive work too. That's the other thing is um, some teachers are very specific. You got to do this at this time. And I've, I've found that Reiki is very broad. Some teachers are again, very specific and some are like, just show up and whatever needs to happen, do that. So for me, I always teach or I always see clients with a hybrid. I bring all the tools I have together into the session. So when I teach Reiki, I have to keep it kind of um, traditional to the, the system, but I always tie in how it relates to other modalities. And I also do try to share more about the energy body and help people understand what they're actually working with so they can develop their sensitivity and their capacity and their intuition so they can be more available. Yeah. Yeah. Help us understand the energy body, because I think for a lot of people, especially for me, I'm a massage therapist, so I do, you know, deep muscular work. And so I always include Reiki in every session that I do. However, you know, some people are very aware of the energy and other people just don't have a clue and want my hands to keep moving. And so, you know, how can we kind of learn about the energy body within 
ourselves? How can we become more in tune to that? And why should we? Mm. Well, let's talk about why first. Well, I, I, my experience has led me to understand that, you know, this physical body doesn't just show up by itself. It needs this container and the space and really a mind to have the idea of it. And then it can create it in this physical reality. And so this energy body is think of it as like, kind of like the blueprint for everything that shows up in your physical life. So if something's off in the blueprint, something may show up off in the physical life. So what often happens is if we can do some work in this field of mind and prana or energy to bring health and well-being, it actually then supports the physical even more. So that's the main reason is to, for overall health and well-being. And ways that we can connect to it, I mean, this is everything that I do is all about that. <laughs> so, you know, whether it's doing yoga, so, you know, when you do yoga, you're moving your body and you're breathing, but really you're moving your energy and your energy moves around based on where you're putting your arms, your legs, your feet, what you're doing with your breath, what you're doing with your core. And so when you do certain poses in a particular way, it leads to a particular outcome. And so that changes your mind and it changes how you see your world and it changes you know, it opens up ways for you to be more uh, healthy and more intuitive, more, um, you know, opens up your capacity, opens up your knowledge and your ability to see more. So yoga is one way to do it. When, when we receive passive forms of work like this, like getting a massage or energy work, the, the person on the table literally gets to take a back seat. They have a passive experience where literally it's almost like they leave the building, so to speak. Their consciousness kind of gets aside the healer or the practitioner, you know, recreates the field of experience so that when the person kind of wakes back up and goes into that conscious state again, it's like, oh, wow, it feels good in here. You know, it's like somebody comes and cleans your house when you're gone and you come back and you're like, wow, my house feels so good. And you get to live in that reality. And a lot of times it will help. I think energy work speeds up healing for sure for all the physical things for sure. I've absolutely tested that. And so what I do, I do Thai yoga body work. And so when I do those sessions, I love to put energy work at the end because I just see the, the benefits lasting longer. I see quicker response to the healing work. People get calm. Their nervous system slows down. They get a chance to kind of get a reboot. So I'm super supportive of that type of um, healing work. Yeah. So how might... Uh, somebody getting a Reiki session experience the energy? Mm. It can be uh, none to like totally wow. And the thing is, that's the other thing too, just to have no expectations. And we as practitioners need to be careful that we're not like trying to tell our clients that, oh, we're going to feel all this stuff because some people don't feel anything. But yet they could come in the next day and feel a ton of stuff. And I've seen that happen too, where, you know, even for myself, something can be quite profound, but and sometimes nothing's happening, but it doesn't mean nothing is happening. It just means that maybe you're not sensitive to it in that moment. So you might feel, um, you know, you might feel the kind of different movements in the body, like kind of, we call them the winds, just things moving down or up or circulating. Um, a lot of times too, when I start doing a session, people's stomachs will start to growl. Sometimes people see colors behind their eyes. Their breath will change for sure. Sometimes there's heat or cool. 
you know, just kind of these kind of sensitive things. And, you know, everybody's sensitivity is different and it's different every day. So it can change. And the other thing is sometimes you don't know um, the effect until you leave the session. You might go out in the world and be like, wow, that thing that used to really bug me, it just doesn't bug me anymore. So this is working, you know? So there's a more more relational experience to your life and to your triggers that I think you'll start to notice when you receive the work on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So how... So how often would you recommend, like, who should get yoga and how, I mean, Reiki and how, how frequently would you recommend? My preference when I see clients is um, if they have, if they're dealing with something they've been trying to get rid of for a while, you know, complain or symptom, I'll say come in once a week for three or four weeks. Let's just start to get this momentum to shift, you know, wherever we end up finding the you know, the imbalance. And then, you know, we can do an assessment where, where do we want to go from here? And then, you know, then we can go every two weeks or maybe once a month. I just recommend for everybody, doesn't matter if they're doing Reiki or massage or acupuncture or whatever, but just give yourself the gift of being a receiver of something healing once a month, you know, put that in your budget. (laughs) It's like, right. right. You know, people spend money on all types of things that diminish their health. It might be fun. But just the fact that our culture doesn't have that as a value is ridiculous to me. So I, you know, just saying that to my clients, it's like, you know, put that aside and see if you can manage that. Um, and, and I see usually people make a real transition around that third session because, you know, things can shift in one session, but the momentum is still kind of stuck in what it was doing before. So it needs, you know, several rounds of getting that kind of energetic push so to speak to to move it towards balance and then it's really nice to have a couple extra sessions that kind of help keep it there but for me um you know my goal isn't to have people dependent on me the whole time i want to see people that like let's move you on I'll, I'll work with somebody else now so i want to encourage people to have an attitude of self-care so every person i see i give them i call it homework you know give them something to do to help keep that energy robust and strong and the people that do the work, they tend to feel better quicker, you know? So it's, it's kind of like if they invest in themselves, they can speed up that momentum shift time and they can also keep, have more control over that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the Reiki training that you do, you start, you always start with treating yourself. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about that a little bit. Well, the whole point is when you work with other people, it doesn't matter if it's healing or anything else. You know, if you're coming in as the expert, you know, you want to have, I believe, a really good understanding of what the work does. You want to be, you want to be all in and you want to be a believer, you know, like if it touches you and it's changed your life, then you show up in a different way and you don't have an attachment to whether that person likes it or not, or even gets anything out of it because for you, it's your truth. So there is, I really think it's really important that when we do these healing arts, that we all take time to do the work ourselves. And we are a step ahead of our clients and students that way, because we can then coach them through that process as they go through their own healing. 
Because I don't feel like, you know, as we show up, we're not healing anybody. We're offering an opportunity for people to do the healing work themselves. And we're also a catalyst. We also help support that shift. But ultimately, somebody's um, surrender and their, their desire to shift, it's really what comes down to it. Um, so when we do the work ourselves, it, it just gives a sense of grounding to the work. It gives um, a presence. And when people come into our space, you can honestly say, wow, this really did so much for me. And um, I'm really excited to share this with you and be authentic with the work we do. So really, it's just kind of a, a stepping stone to have people kind of learn about the energy. Yeah, exactly. You, you learn the energy teaches you for sure. I mean, I can teach people how to do Reiki, but at the end of the day, your, um, your work on yourself, that all, there's so much more you'll learn by the doing that, you know, and I, that's huge. I, I have seen not just in my trainings, but other trainings I've been part of, like some students want to come in. It's kind of like, you make it a commodity. Oh, I'm going to learn this. and I'm going to go give it away right away, but they don't have a real experience with it. And I just think that the work, you know, such a big thing in our culture right now is let's not misappropriate these healing arts because they have a root and a really deep tradition of wisdom. Um, so you, you need to do the work, you know, and, and especially at these times when we're going through these huge cultural shifts and we need, to wake up more and honor our own stories and then be willing to let them go. And so when we are able to do that work ourselves, it allows a space. We can hold a bit more space for people to do that work. And so, you know, mm -hmm. and the, the question is, is, you know, with Reiki training, sometimes people teach like Reiki one, I, that for me, that's the practicing self care. We don't really talk so much about healing other people because you got to work with yourself first. We talk a little bit about it, but and then my Reiki too, we talk about now oh, here's how to set up a client session. But I always give space between those two trainings because I really want people to have a self-care practice before they come in and start learning how to work with others. You know? Mm -hmm. So is there a profound difference? So, between treating yourself versus being treated by a, somebody yeah. else? Great question. Um, you know, in some ways you could say no, in some ways you can say yes. I find for me, when I receive a session from somebody else, I can just let go. And because I can let go, I feel like things that I don't, I wouldn't have maybe necessarily been able to connect with on my own practice. Like, it's more available to, to shift. Plus it feels really good. You know, that's the other thing is just um, that joy of working with somebody with that co-creation. And this is the common desire for, for both parties have the desire to have the highest good for, for yourself with the healing. So that's lovely. Um, as a self-care practice, I mean, at the end of the day, th the reality is, is, you know, you're leaving this life on your own and you come into it on your own. And so that self-care and um, tending to yourself, it allows you a sense of independence and you don't need anybody or anyone to help you get where you need to go. So that's, I think, important because then you, you become a master of yourself. However, I mean, 
for example, if I feel like I get stuck or I've got something really overwhelming going on, I go get sessions myself because I just want to show up and not have to think and I can just receive. And I find that helps me kind of get past some of those blocks or hurdles in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what can we do to tap into the energy body right now? Particularly somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience yeah. with this. Um, using the breath is a really important way. You can breathe and move your mind into all different parts of your body and investigate. You know, what happens when I breathe into my shoulder or my liver or my hips or wherever? But there's something to be said that wherever you move your mind, this energy will follow. And wherever you move the energy, the mind will follow. And I really feel that part of our health is when we have a full awareness of the totality of ourselves. You know, so many times I'll, I mean, we've all probably, probably experienced ex- being in our head, right? That whole idea of, oh, I'm just stuck in my head. And then our body, sometimes then you'll have symptoms of like, oh, my digestion is not so good. Or I'm not letting go or all these weird body symptoms start happening. And part of it's because the head is like stuck with all the energy. (laughs) So when we do techniques, you know, whether it's yoga or mindfulness or breathing or, you know, even types of um, active meditation where you can move your mind around your body, it's like, oh, I don't have to have this overflow in this one area that's inflaming my mind. I can actually spread it out and I can create more ease and well-being. And so there's some really great yoga techniques that help with that just that kind of moving the mind around so it's not so intense and then it creates imbalances. So that's one thing. The other thing I would just say is, um, gosh, I tell all my Reiki students to this too. Like, you know, every living thing has life force. We call it prana in the yoga tradition, chi in the Chinese tradition. And if you go to like a plant, You just rub your hand just through the plant leaves. I mean, I feel like you can just feel that life force. And in fact, um, you know, one of my homework assignments for Reiki students is when you go home from training, go and let your hands move through the leaves, touch the leaves, let your hands, you know, point to the dirt and, you know, send this loving kindness. And I swear to God, the plants just go bonkers. They just grow so much better. so we can learn about the energy by treating yeah, our plants. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons that I got into all of the work that I do is because uh, I would see people on my table transform in such a short amount of time. And, you know, that just led me into more ways to help people transform their energy. And it's just such a, it's such a gift to be able to work in the transformation business. It's just such a um, delightful place to be. I mean, it's not always pretty, right? Sometimes it's um, a lot of work for people and things release and, you know, there may be tears, but uh, it's just such a powerful, it's just such powerful work. Yeah, it's great. So uh, tell us about your workshop that's coming up and uh, other things you have that are 
uh, coming up for you? All right. Well, I am starting to teach Reiki again. Uh, we took a little hiatus with COVID. So I have a Reiki one coming up. Uh, it's a day-long training on Friday, April 16th. I run it from 9 to 4.30 p.m. And then there's a Reiki 2 a month later on March, or sorry, May 14th, same time, 9 to 4.30 p.m. So in that first course, we'll go over, you know, what is Reiki? What is energy? What is energy body? We'll learn a self-care practice. And then in Reiki 2, we start to talk about how to be, learn how to share that with people. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Cool. And what? And you said you have a retreat coming up. I do and... a month from today. Um, so the retreat is a. Uh, it's May first through the eighth. It's in Costa Rica at a wonderful retreat center. It's my favorite. It's like the best. <laughs> it's called Blue Spirit, and um, the retreat's theme is called Clear Vision. Um, I'm co-hosting it with Paul Benedict, a friend of mine from Las Vegas, and. You know, the week is, you know, it's, it's like a retreat. So we're going to do some yoga every day, but we, there's also lots of free time to hit the beach or walk the beach and just relax. I think um, the last year has really kicked everybody's butt. I'm super stoked to get out of the country. And um, I just got my first COVID shot, so I'll be fully vaccinated by the time I leave. I'm really happy about that. Um, and it's a really safe place to go. They're, they've been running this whole time and they understand the the need for safety and social distancing and all that but the theme is really important so we have a bunch of techniques and things we'll be doing in the classes that will help you know look at where are places in our life we're not really seeing clearly and what's in the way and how can we shift change or transform some of that those obstacles and then how do we redirect some of that energy towards our purpose and our path and manifesting some of the things that we really want to do. So even though we're in paradise, we'll also have kind of some takeaways when you come home, some kind of, you know, per, uh, more energy to, to accomplish what you want and hopefully more ease with that too. So what is the daily schedule? Uh, most days we'll practice in the morning, um, a little bit longer practice because we'll have some time for discussion and, some uh, workshoppy things. And so like at eight o'clock? It's 9.30 to noon. So in the morning, okay. there's optional meditation. There's different, um, there's like five or six different studios on the property. And so there are some that you can go down early in the morning as the sun is rising. That's what I do. And I go to my practice and the monkeys are there and the birds are chirping. It's just so cool. Um, so people can do that on their own. And then there's breakfast time and it's lovely because the dining hall, you're overlooking the ocean and the food is amazing. Um, and then we'll have our, our yoga practice. And then there's time off in the afternoon. You can run down to the beach. You can get a massage. They have amazing body workers there. And then the afternoon, we also have a secondary yoga class, but not every day. Some days it's open and some days we have class. It just depends. And a couple evenings during the week, we have some um, activities planned too. But there is one day that's totally off, so people can do an excursion. They can go get a surf lesson. Again, they can veg out and <laughs> just and rest. I think part of it too is I think living where we do in the upper Midwest, uh, just going somewhere warm like that is um, it's a real treat. Everybody's been hanging in there. We've had to reschedule it three times, and everybody's just so excited to go. 
but we do have a few rooms left. So if people want to join last minute, we can make it happen. Okay. And is there, what else is, yeah, what else is on your horizon? What else do you have coming up besides, or what are you most excited about in your work? Um, I love, I luckily love everything I do and I'm really glad that there's a variety because it's keeps it interesting for me. Um, I just started teaching Thai yoga body work again. I taught a class last week. That was so fun. So you're back. Uh, yeah, not for everything, but that we decided to do again, a group of people who really wanted to do it. We talked about, you know, I ran it differently. We had to stay with the same person all week. We had to spread out the mats. Everybody wore masks and it went great. And it was really fun. Um, I missed it so much because it's a big part of what I do and something that I really love. So I'll do another level one in May, like May 17th through the 20th. And I'll do a level two at the end of June. So I have all those dates online now. And um, so we'll run those in person. And then um, I teach a lot of yoga uh, trainings too. So we have 200 hour and 300 hour programs at my school, Dave and Eddie. And then I also teach um, para yoga, which is uh, again, a curriculum with, uh, my teacher, Rod Straker, and uh, that's this really amazing curriculum of connecting Tantra, yoga, Ayurveda, and um, just all these different things. And so now I teach a whole bunch of those trainings too. So they're all great. I love every part of it. And um, I'm just really grateful that I get to do something I love, you know, especially in these days. So how can people learn more about your work, stay in touch with Um, you? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Tanya Boygenzon. Same thing on Facebook. And then I have three websites. (laughs) So there's tanyaboygenzon.com, and that just has all of my offerings. So sometimes I guest teach other places in that. So that'll have everything that I do. And then my yoga school that's in Minneapolis um, is called Devanati Yoga. Um, We're pretty much all online these days. So now we're having students from all over the world do different things. So that's pretty cool. And we'll keep a lot of things online that way, depending on what it is. And then um, I also have a website called ThaiYogaBodyWork.com. And that has mainly the curriculum for the Thai Yoga certification program that I run. And if you want to learn more about the retreat, that's called ClearVisionRetreat.com. That's where you can go and see the rooms and check it out if you want to join us last minute. Great. Great. Thank you so much. You've been a great teacher for me and um, a friend, and I'm so grateful to have this conversation. I'm definitely going to look into that <laughs> retreat. I don't know how. Are you, bring your, are you bringing your son with He's you? He's not coming this time. Actually, I thought about the other day, like, maybe I should bring him. But um, right now, he's not planning to come. But Yeah, I, I would have to figure out how to get the school and the you know, homework and then dinner and all the things. Yeah, I'm going to look at it. Laura.